so guys, let me tell you, I, I, I pre-ordered the small soldiers Blu-ray when the pre-order came out. Uh, I looked at my Amazon and I saw that the Blu-ray was coming on like March 14th. So I said, what the fuck's with that? So I went to Amazon. I canceled that order, went to the small soldiers Blu-ray, bought it again. And then it said coming between February 2nd and 4th. I said, great. Then I looked, then I looked on Wednesday. That's the third. It said arriving on Saturday, the 6th. We, We record tonight, obviously. So I, I had to rent it on Amazon Prime on on Prime Video yesterday, and look what came to my doorstep at six thirty. <laughs> Man, I pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered it the first day it went up for pre-order, and it is said uh, February twenty fourth the entire time until yesterday, where it changed to arriving Saturday. So I was hoping for a similar situation where it would just show up on my doorstep, but it has not. The right. snow fucked everything. It feels great to have the Small Soldiers Blu-ray in my hand. I, this is something I've waited for for a decade. I'm very excited to dig into the special features in this and like watch it with the commentary and stuff because that's the only way I have. I've never watched it. So, uh, yeah. So Frank hasn't done the intro yet. We haven't officially <clears throat> introduced the episode. I figure I want to. I haven't gotten to discuss this with you guys before we started recording because we kind of just jumped right into things. There, there's all this controversy over the awards and over yeah. these nom- all these nominees and everything. Yeah. And I feel like we should at least discuss it to some degree. So I know, Frank, I've discussed this with Chris quite a bit, but I, I, I want to... Yeah, I'm a very big like Oscars nerd. Right. I am too, but not to the degree that he is. But because I haven't really discussed it at all with you, I wanted to throw this out there for you because one of the awards categories with the most controversy has been favorite movie actor. And I wanted to throw this at you to see what you thought. Because the nominees are Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik, Robert Downey Jr. as John Doolittle, Will Farrell as Lars Erickson, Lin-Manuel Miranda as Alexander Hamilton, Chris Pine as Steve Trevor, and Adam Sandler as Hubie Dubois. So I wanted to know your thoughts. I mean, we can get into like favorite movie actress and favorite movie, but... Frank, I wanted to get your take on the 2021 Kids' Choice Awards nominees. I mean, it's obvious. Obvious. Hubie Dubois, Adam Sandler. Oh, my God. He's returned to grace. Oh, my God. Now, here's, here's the thing. Hubie Halloween is also nominated for favorite movie. Wow. I don't but, know if it's favorite movie, but definitely favorite actor. Is Doolittle, is Doolittle nominated for favorite movie? Doolittle is nominated for favorite movie. <laughs> wow. Hubie Halloween, Mulan, Sonic the Hedgehog, Wonder Woman. But here's the thing. So is Hamilton. And I feel like that's Hamilton really, might run bizarre. with it. That's bizarre. I feel like Hamilton might run with it. I'm not going to lie. Don't they, lie. If, don't. If, if, Listen to me, Frank. Don't lie. If Hamilton is the favorite like movie of a generation of kids making their choice, mm-hmm. I don't think kids should be allowed to make choices anymore. But like, what? But what if they slime? Stop. What if they slime Alexander Hamilton? He goes up there. He I'm, says that he's not throwing away his shot, and then they slime him. Man, Hamilton two is going to be. Are sick they having if, an actual like, ceremony? If yeah, they do, Ro- Rosie O'Donnell's going to flip the switch, and everybody's going to get slimed. I, Rosie O'Donnell. I mean, I always when she as, hosted it every fucking year. Yeah, she just lives there. Yeah. Hey, so uh, on another note, 
James, Cor- there was there was uproar at James Corden being nominated for a Golden Globe for best. Uh, oh, so actor we're just done the with prom. the Kids' Choice Awards? Yeah. No, I'm uh, not done. Yet. So, um, so, but, but there is the possibility. Like I said, he was nominated for the Golden Globe for the Prom in comedy actor. There is a the real what? possibility. The Prom. It's a Netflix movie. It's supposed to be terrible. <laughs> He's supposed to be horrific in it. There is a, a real possibility that he is nominated for the Razzie for the same exact role, which I don't believe has ever happened before to be nominated for a, an actual award and for, you know, the bad movies award. I think the Razzies, they, are lame. the Razzies have the Razzies definitely jumped the ship. Yeah. But they've definitely the shark? jumped the ship. The shark, uh, the shark. Yes. <laughs> jump the ship. Jump the ship. But there, I, well, I, there's jump ship and there's jump the shark. And I, I put them together. But you know, I, I do think that's an doesn't amusing. mean like, they're, they're weird, or how I can't explain jump the shark. Is, is, right is, is my brain sh- just stopped. Is this what shipping is? <laughs> James Corden and whoever else is in the prom. teaser. Meryl Streep. Uh, I'm sorry, who? Meryl Streep. She, she's a very famous actress. No, not Meryl Streep. <laughs> Who's Rumpel? She's been nominated for like 30 Oscars. No, not her. Wait, you don't know about Rumpel teaser? What the fuck is Rumple Teaser? God, I fucking hate movies. Why do well, we do this? Rumple Teaser is a cat in cats. Frank, what about Mr. Mistopheles? Oh, what about Bustopher Jones? That's who James Corden oh, plays. Bustopher Jones. Ew. Are they just making fucking Broadway plays movies now? Like Hamilton? Did you yeah, not know like that cats, cats came out last year? <laughs> no, I'm trying. Like, I'm thinking about it, and like, that's just shit they do now. Ugh. Are you not aware of like Chicago? Yeah, Chicago <laughs> barely counts. What are you talking about? It barely counts. It it's started old. as a Broadway musical. It's old, so it, it's good. And then they made it a movie, and it won Best Picture. It was hey, old, by, so by it was the good. way, I watched Chicago for the first time like two or three months ago. Yeah, really, good. really liked it. Yeah, I meant, I've like gotta, I've got to see it because I'm I'm such a big like John C. Riley guy, and like that's his Oscar nominee nomination. Oh, he he's like, great in it. Yeah, I got to see it. I like Richard Gere. You've uh, got to see. Yeah. You've got to see John C. Riley doing Mister Cellophane. Oh my goodness! By, by Mister like, Cellophane is a song in the movie, Frank. It's not a cat. Yeah, no. By <laughs> you know who is a cat? Mike, tell him who's a cat. Idris Elba. Yeah, but what's his name? Uh, what is Idris Elba's name? Crook? No, Crookshanks is a cat in Harry Potter. I think. Uh, what, <laughs> what was Idris Elba's name? Chris is looking it up because he doesn't remember either. No, I don't um, remember either. I tried to throw you on the spot because I said, you know who's a cat? And then I couldn't Ma- remember another. Ma- the Rum Tum Tugger. Mank? That's, that's a cat. I think it was Mank? No, Ma- that's, that's the Here's guy Idris that Elba. wrote. McCavity. He was McCavity. But look, I was on the right trail with Mank. Yeah. Hey, Mike, Again, could, you, could, you guess, could you guess Rebel Wilson's cat name? Jenny Anydots. Yeah. Okay. Good job. Of course. Um, of course. What is what is the name of uh, of Ray Winstone's cat? Was that uh? While you're thinking, can I justify Crim- my Crimble thing? Crimble Shanks the railway cat? No, no, that's Stephen McRae. He was Skimble Shanks the railway Skimble cat, Sh- the cat oh, on the railway. I said uh, Crimble Shanks. I I'm sorry. Ray Winstone was Growl Tiger. My insides um, hurt. Well, why don't you get? Why don't you just here? Just tell Frank a couple of the other names. Sure. Sure. Uh, uh, here's a really bizarre one, uh, Mike. Uh, sorry, Frank. Uh, oh, Mungo Jerry. Yeah, yep, that's one. Did he wrestle Frank, for WCW in the nineties? He did. <laughs> he was one of the four horsemen. He did. Uh, Frank Ian McKellen <laughs> plays. This is the most bizarre name, Gus. 
At one point, it is established that his full name is Asparagus. Yeah, he, but he's uh, Gus the theater cat. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, of course, so, plays Grizabella. I was all in for just a cat named Gus. And then you had to ruin it by telling me it was Asparagus. <laughs> hey, asparagus um, is good. Of, of course, of course, Judy Dench plays Old Deuteronomy. Remember late in the movie, Chris, when we thought which, it was over and it turns and out it's not. Looks, and she and starts she looks, looking into the camera. She looks for directly into the camera and gives a speech about how a cat is not a dog. Yep. One of the best nights of my life. <laughs> Frank, start the show. Well, the 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 best night of the, of our lives started with in a half empty theater. Well, not half empty, like eighty percent empty theater, and a young Hispanic girl saying "Hola" as <laughs> when, the movie started. Well, it was when a cat got thrown in, when a bag, a sack got yes. thrown, and a cat crawled out of it. Yes, and the cat said, crawled out, and she said "Hola." Hola. It was incredible, and we had a row of theater kids in front of us. So, you know, and we were when, all when you, losing our minds together. It was perfect. right. So like when you get to like Mr. Mistopheles, song at like the climax of the film, we're all clapping and singing. One of the theater kids is like standing up and like sashaying. It was incredible. Yeah. So, and oh my God, I... I forgot the, the, right as the movie ends, the one girl in front of us goes, what was that? And her friend goes, art. <laughs> and he turned his back to her. <laughs> Um, I would One of the best like, nights of my life. Yeah, I would like to clarify that not all Broadway things that get turned into movies are bad. Twelve Angry Men, great movie. But that's a play, not a musical. Tomato, Imagine. Tomato. May, okay, maybe Twelve that's... Angry Men was a music was a musical. Oh, oh my shit, god, that'd be tight. I think he killed his father. I think he killed his father, <laughs> and I really think he killed his dad. <laughs> you hold it like this, not like this. And now, our feature presentation. It's Tuesday. You know what that means. Welcome to another edition of Feature Presentation. My name is Frankie Fiermonti. Joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, Mike Hawkins. Feature Presentation. Anything else is just a toy. And Chris Perkowski. Commandos, roll out. Judging by how they introduced themselves this week, I think you guys could tell, also it's the title of the episode, we watched 1998 Small Soldiers. Guys, let me tell you, it's awesome. Yeah, it, it holds up really, really well. It's so good. And Chris, you said this either on Twitter or on Letterboxd or something, I don't remember where. But you said once you started watching it, it all just came flooding back. Absolutely. And like, dude, that's exactly totally. how it was for me. I've never I've never had an experience where like I've gone that long. It had to be 20 years since I've seen mm-hmm. the movie. And um, I, I don't think I've ever had an experience where I sat down 20 years after the last time I saw it and like remembered every single scene and line as it was happening. Like I, I this movie is ingrained in my brain. Wait, Chris, what? Did you just get a notification? Wait a minute. Check your phone. What does that say? Wow. You set yourself a reminder 20 years ago to the day? It actually yeah. ended up being 20 years to the day. Wow. Who would have thought? Wow. Yeah, Dude. I don't think I've seen this in at least a decade. And it's it's tremendous. I, of course, have a bias towards Joe Dante, the great Joe yeah. Dante. 
you know, director of things such as Gremlins, but it's it's tremendous. Yeah, it was super fun. Also, so one of the things that I did not realize, this was like DreamWorks sixth movie. This yeah. Is super early on in DreamWorks, yeah. which is awesome because it's like, oh, they like they got it right away. Like mm-hmm. they 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 went for it and knew what they were doing right away, which is awesome. Because DreamWorks totally. is like a powerhouse in animation now. Totally, yeah. Chris, Chris, you want to hit us with the plot? Yeah, Absolutely. Hit that. Uh, the plot of Small Soldiers. Hold on one second. So there's these small soldiers, and they're small. <laughs> the tagline on Letterboxd: Big movie. When missile technology. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> it's the tagline. <laughs> Yeah, the tag the tagline for small oh, soldiers. Oh, because small soldiers, small big soldiers, movie, okay. big movie. <laughs> See, when, when you read it, when you read it out of context, it's just strange. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. When missile technology is used to enhance toy action figures, the toys soon begin to take their battle programming too seriously. Well, that sums it up. So that Thanks. is the plot of the movie. Uh, Jay Moore takes microchips that are used for like warheads and puts them in the figures. So I guess the microchips tell warheads blow this up, or yeah, like the, the microchips fight are these what people. <laughs> the microchips are what make the warheads angry. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just docile. Exactly. Right. Right. God, how different of a movie would this be if they put those into actual warheads and then like we just watched a bunch of missiles talk like Tommy Lee Jones for two hours? It'd be sick. Right. There would be, there would be large soldiers. Yeah. That would be yeah, big metal soldiers. So, so this thing I'm has gonna, oh go go ahead Chris no no you you go ahead you go ahead I was gonna say this thing has an incredible cast absolutely oh, I, I was actually gonna run down the cast as well <laughs> do you have because I have I have the, it right up yeah well I have the voice acting cast in front of me if you want to throw out the uh, I can do the live action yeah, cast absolutely sure sure uh Alan star you know Gregory Smith is Alan Abernathy a, a very young Kirsten Dunst it has to be well no because she was in um interview she was with in the vampire. last vampire interview with a vampire so she's she had been acting for a couple and Jumanji. So she'd been around for a little while. Dennis Leary, who I want to shout out because he's only in like four scenes, but he's playing it so big mm-hmm. and he absolutely knows the movie that Joe Dante is trying to make. I wrote down in my notes that he is doing like eighties, like v- movie villain. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely. he's playing so big in this. It's great. David Cross, uh, David Cross, Jay Moore, who I want to point out does not move or talk like a human being has ever moved or talked before in history. Well, uh, I think yeah. he is one of the puppets that was created <laughs> by believe, Stan Winston I, for the movie. I absolutely think so. Uh, Kevin I Dunn. Think, just great, real quick. Sorry to cut you off, Chris, just about Jay Moore. I think Jay Moore for fans of like Jay Moore and his appearances and Silent on, Bob. on mm-hmm, Jay Moore mm-hmm. and his radio appearances. I feel like Jay Moore in this movie acts like the way Tracy Morgan's Tracy Morgan's Tracy Morgan sees Jay Moore in real life. So if yeah. you've ever heard Jay Moore's Tracy Morgan impression, I'm not going to do it. Chris does an awesome one. Um, if you've ever heard his impression, this is what I think Tracy don't, Morgan sees when he sees Jay Moore in, in real life. Don't call me out like this, guys. I I'm mean, sorry. Dude. Guys, I, just, I, I didn't say anything. I know how tremendous you're, you're, Jay Moore doing Tracy Morgan is, and I just, you know, I get excited. All right, all right, fine, fine. 
By the way, Kevin Dunn. Uh, so Kevin Dunn, who's a great character actor, I always like him in whatever I see him in. He, his letterbox profile lists him as a director for <laughs> WWE Worlds Collide. <laughs> great character actor. Yeah. Never heard. Never heard of it. Terrible. Yeah. Never heard of it. Never. Never gonna watch it. Yeah. Terrible so, director. All right. I'll, I'll do. The, uh, the only Worlds Collide I know is When Worlds Collide by Power Man 5000, the band. Which has a poster young, in this yes, movie. Exactly. I don't know what that other thing you were talking about, like boxing or something. I don't know. Yeah. But fine. I'll do the impression of, of yes. Jay Moore doing Tracy Morgan. People keep asking me if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. So, can you give us the, the rest of the live action cast? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, hold on. Excuse me. Uh, pulling it up. And Magnuson, who plays uh, Irene Abernathy, Alan's mother. She's great in this. Wendy Shaw, Marion, who, who plays uh, Kirsten Dunn's mother. And Jacob Smith, who plays the younger brother. The most dead eyed child I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yes. And, um, and, and I'm saving the best for last. Yes, you are. The late, great Phil Hartman who I, I wrote in my review, his, his, like, his straightest lines, he gets a laugh out of you because of his delivery. Mm-hmm. His final movie role, by the way. Absolutely, yeah, and rightfully and, so. so. Rightfully so. Uh, no, like, he's dude, incredible. Jesus. He's absolutely incredible, yeah. My favorite, my favorite line in the movie. I, I wonder if it's the same one that I've written down. I'm going to bet it's the same one. They're sitting down on the couch, Oh, no, this isn't it. Oh, it's different? Okay, so they're sitting down on the couch as uh, the commando elites are, th- are shooting sleeping pills into uh, Kirsten Dunst's mother's uh, gin and tonic. And he's watching, like, war documentaries, and he says off the, like, you know, off the cuff, I think World War II was my favorite war. He's <laughs> <laughs> so fucking good. My, my favorite one is later in the movie when he leaves the house and is trying to talk with the commando elite. That's my other one. <laughs> and he goes, I'm here to negotiate the surrender of the uh, Gorgonzolas. <laughs> he's incredible. Every yeah. single scene he's in, he, he steals it. Yeah. Joel, like, he's the, he's, he's part of it is he's doing, like, everything is in Troy McClure voice. Like, it's exactly, the, it's the exactly. absolute. Oh, I'm sorry, that, that reminds me of one other line that kills me. It's when he's in the house and the flaming statue head comes flying through the window and he looks down and goes, Balthazar. <laughs> That's my other favorite line from Small Soldiers. Balthazar. <laughs> oh, these cookies. <laughs> Put the cookie down. <laughs> he's, he's the best. Like, yeah. he, he's such a staple of my childhood, like, Absolutely. In, way, in ways that the like Simpsons, all his Saturday Night Live stuff, Jingle All the Way, Small Soldiers, like I mean, he, for me especially, like Jingle All the Way and Small yeah. Soldiers were like huge for me, and yeah. he's so goddamn funny. I I sincerely think he is the funniest man to ever live. Um, he could make any situation and anything funny. Just the plainest line, saying like, "I need to go to the store to get milk." He could get a laugh out of you saying that line. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because of the way that he would deliver it, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I fucking, I absolutely love Phil Hartman. It's a tragedy that he's no longer with us. Um, yeah, that's it. So that was the uh, live action cast. But for the voice actors. 
that did the voices of the both puppet and CGI characters of the Gorgonites and the Commando Elite. Mm-hmm. It's it's a bizarre thing that happened. I mean, it had to have been done intentionally, but it's very bizarre that the Gorgonites are a Spinal Tap reunion and the Commando Elite are a Dirty Dozen reunion. Yeah. Which is well, the most so bizarre thing. Aside, aside from Tommy Lee Jones, obviously. Right. Yeah. So just to really quick, um, it's a Dirty Dozen reunion because originally they wanted it to be You've a Predator reunion. You've got my trivia thing. Yep. Which, like, Chip Hazard, if Arnold Schwarzenegger played Chip Hazard, this is my yeah. favorite movie of all time. I, like, <laughs> I mean, Jesse Ventura as Brick Bazooka. <laughs> yeah. Just, that would Carl be Weathers as Butch Meat Hook. Oh. Oh my I god! I wish the role he was born to play. <laughs> yeah. So Which, it's a bummer that they didn't get that, but oh, his yeah. voice with cast. the Dirty Dozen, they tried to get everybody, but mm-hmm. Charles Bronson refused to lend his voice to one of the soldiers. Fucking Ima- Chuck. Imagine Charles Bronson as Nick Nitro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the Gorgonites, Archer, the leader, was voiced by Frank Langella. Slam Fist and Scratch It were both voiced by Christopher Guest. Insaniac, the stand-up comedian, Gorgonite, and Troglocon, who then gets rebuilt into Freakenstein, mm-hmm. is voiced by Michael McKean. Punch It is voiced by Harry Shearer, and Ocula, who I don't think has any lines of dialogue, right. is voiced just makes noises. Right, is is voiced by Jim Cummings, who's uncredited. Right. And then So he's the, just going like my so, <laughs> so just for people that don't know who Jim Cummings is, like that's Pooh Bear. It's Pooh Bear. Amazing. So I was telling Frank before you hopped on the Zoom, Chris, mm-hmm. I was trying to find for a half hour before we started, I have somewhere a Burger King kids meal, Ocula, with little suction mm. cups on the feet. And I know it's somewhere. I just could not find it in time, but I wanted to have it like hanging over the computer. Yeah. So like the eye was like right in the camera. <laughs> I'm sure I, I'll find it when I'm least looking for it. I had the Freakenstein toy. Yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah. But I don't think I had anything else. Which one? Which one was the the wacky one that did like the the Insaniac. spins? I forget his Insaniac. Insaniac. Yeah, I know for sure I had his toy. I feel for like sure. I had Insaniac too, but I can't. I can't remember for sure. I know that I had Frankenstein. The small soldiers' toys go for absurd amount of money. Oh, now. I'm sure it's crazy. Sure. Uh, so the voices of the Commando Elite: Chip Ta- Chip Hazard is Tommy Lee Jones. Incredible Rick- performance. So oh, great. Yes. Brick Bazooka is George Kennedy. Butch Meat Hook is Jim Brown. Kip Killigan is Ernest Borgnine. (laughs) (laughs) Nick Nick Nitro is Clint Walker. Link Static is Bruce Dern. And then also, just just to throw it out there, the Gwendy dolls later on in the movie are voiced by Christina Ricci and Sarah Michelle Gellar. In all-star cast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Dick Miller, who's one of the live-action... Um, characters. He's Joe, the the truck driver. He's in yeah. every Joe Dante movie, pretty much. He's in yeah. Every Joe Dante movie, but also was uncredited in the Dirty Dozen. So even he's a Dirty Dozen, guy. right? And he's he's always tremendous. I mean, he, his his best work for me is in the Gremlins when he's the neighbor, and then in Gremlins too when he's the neighbor who goes to visit his old neighbor working <laughs> in the city for reasons unexplained and throws a bat gremlin into wet concrete. He is very, this I think is a very close third for my favorite him performance. My favorite performance out of him. My favorite him performance is like, is it when they did that 
buried alive by love at like that Swedish rock festival. I thought you were going to say on Viva La Bam. I mean, when when they did your sweet 666 at uh, the Hammerstein Ballroom on that farewell tour, I mean, that was tremendous too. I mean, like an actual him fan? We don't need to get into this. (laughs) Dork. Yeah, but you know, I want to go back to Phil Hartman a little bit because, like, because I, I was thinking about it, dude. When his first scene, he's he's like getting the uh, satellite dish installed, and he he's like explaining in grave detail to Kirsten Dunst why, like, what the issue is. He's like, he's like, you see, the the Earth's axis and rotation is causing, and like, I'm cackling out of his first fucking word. He's He's the funniest man that ever lived. And you see, it's, it's also interesting because you bring up the satellite dish. Yeah. And this, this is Chekhov's satellite dish. Because mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. thing comes back into play in a major way. Yes. Yes. So a few things that I had jotted down just to throw out there and maybe they'll, you know, send us on various things. But because obviously we're not running down the whole movie chronologically because... If we did, I think we'd be talking for five hours because we all love this movie. Yeah. There's a couple things that, that I jotted down that I wanted to throw out is, first of all, I love how immediately, right from the start, you're thrown into like this Skynet-esque video for Globotech. Yeah, yeah. It's tremendous. And it, it just brings me back to the Skynet hype video at the beginning of T2-3D at Universal Studios R.I.P. Most incredible theme park attraction that ever lived. Can't imagine possibly taking a nap in it. And I, I just love the, the parallel there between Skynet and Globotech. Right. Yeah, no, my, literally, that's my first note is love a good fake TV spot slash intro movie for the big bad conglomerate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love it. Which, by the way, not a lot of Amazon ads on TV, you know? Should be more for a big bad conglomerate. Yes, I'm associating Amazon that I just ordered packages from. <laughs> With the big bad conglomerate, because I have no spine. I mean, are, are we all waiting on Amazon orders? Or yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I had a fight with a friend about how Jeff Bezos is a piece of shit after I handed him his Amazon gift card for his birthday. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I'm a fucking spineless coward. So, so the gimmick here is that young Alan, uh, his family has relocated multiple times because he keeps being kicked out of schools. Yeah, and. At one point, he kind of runs down his rap sheet uh, when talking to Kirsten Dunst. And, you know, like, there's some basic run-of-the-mill stuff. There's a deleted scene that reveals that he put gum under the faucet of a faculty bathroom sink. Like, very Mm -hmm. run-of-the-mill things. But then it gets to to the the big thing, which is he tied up the principal, um, pulled his pants down, took duct tape, and put it on his buttocks, and ripped off all the hair and skin from his principal's buttocks. It, Language! It was, it was graphic and really like, because they showed a flashback of it. And so you see it happening. It had and like, so, a, like a sepia tone filter over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And and the, oddly enough, the, the principal is played uh, is played by the, the banker from uh, Blank Check. Trying to get his name, I can't. I cannot remember it. I thought you were going to say reason. it was Jim Rash. Don't you no, love one of the No, 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 no. It's it's uh, uh, it's Michael Lerner, uh, our sweatiest performer. Yeah, Michael Lerner. He plays the principal. He gets his ass ripped off by the duct tape. Um, and then uh, yeah, I, I I don't know why that's thrown in along with like oh I tripped a kid and I put 
I put gum in the sink, but it's bizarre. Uh, and the strange thing is too, because this is the flashback is interspersed with shots of Alan telling Kirsten Dunst the story, and his eyes are just rolled back in his head. Right, and it's all—it's right. almost as if he, he's—he's been possessed by some sort of, sort of entity as right. he's telling her this, and she just stands there holding the mast of this model ship, just wondering if if she should continue listening or drive it through Alan's heart. Yes. And, and at some point, at some point he, he does come to in the middle of the thing and his eyes roll back forward and he yells, hail Satan. And then it comes back into his head. It's, it's mm-hmm. bizarre. Uh, it's a, it's a very odd choice by Joe Dante. I respect it though. Yeah. So the thing is there wasn't actually concerning action that Alan <laughs> took uh, as he's running down these things that he did at his last school. The, the final straw was he did call in a bomb scare. Yes. Which isn't like a ha-ha funny yeah, kid he, joke. But he says it as if it is. He's like, he's like, yeah, I called it a bomb scare and they all freaked out, you know. Yeah, you know, it happens three times a week. You, you know, know, parents. Just to be a devil's advocate. Oh, well, now you're going to reveal that you called it a bomb scare like a day No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, I feel like 1998, you can get away with something like that where you could play that off as like a, a jokey joke. I feel like not long at like 98 couple years removed from 2001, nine 11. Like, yeah, you definitely couldn't make off. that joke. Is this not, is this not, you know, a couple years after, excuse me, after the, uh, the Oklahoma city bombings. True. But damn, also- you got them there. Uh Oh, Frank, you got to go home now. Hey man, I live in New York, not Oklahoma. Give me a break. And what's what the hell is the thing that Richard Jewell is from? What 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 bombing was that? Oh, at the what's it called? Because that was like ninety six. The ninety six. Yeah, Olympics. yeah, the Olympics. Yeah, Richard Jewell. Somebody yeah. just watched Richard Jewell on HBO Max or whatever the fuck it's on. Did you just watch it? No, I I uh, thought you did. So that's no, why. no, no. I just know that Richard Jewell takes place in in the. Uh, there's a bombing. <laughs> The '96 Olympics, Chris. We just went over it. And then, and then, and Kathy Bates is like, "It's like my son didn't do it." And then she Chris, got an Oscar nomination somehow. I'm, um, I'm not gonna lie, you and me are terrible at vamping when Mike's not paying attention. <laughs> Look at him; he's just so mad at us. <laughs> so, I gotta tell you, I I reached out to a few people from from Small Soldiers to get comments. First, I reached out to Tommy Lee Jones. Um, he, he's, he's hard to get a hold of. I and, imagine. and Tommy said, Tommy said, and I quote, uh, don't you have a voicemail? No, no, I don't. Oh, he, man. he, all he, he wrote back in an email. Uh, oh, Mike. Oh, Mike's, the other, the other guy, the other the guy, guy yeah. left a voicemail. Mike, okay, Mike. Sure. So I, I don't know if you heard, I know you were on the phone. No, I, no, I did. I, I was just letting you guys talk about Richard Jewell. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> my anyways, son didn't do it. <laughs> so, he's a good boy he's a good boy so <laughs> i i reached out to two people from small soldiers right tommy lee jones so and, first I, I first i reached out to tommy lee jones and then ernest borgnine yes and I bad was, news bad news <laughs> i found out that he is dead but uh i had to get a ouija board to contact ernest borgnine uh but no tommy lee jones did write back he said i cannot sanction your buffoonery and that's all he said. <laughs> what um, could it mean? I, I don't know. So, well, Frank, Frank, do you know the story behind this? 
I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Yeah, dude. Okay, so here's the so, deal, Frank. Yeah. This oh, was after this was after Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones were in Batman. No, it was during. It, yes, it was. Yeah. Oh, excuse no. me, it was yeah. during. And I, I don't. Was it just a public function? Was it a restaurant? It, it, he I don't saw him at a restaurant. He, he saw so, him eating dinner. Yeah. And Jim Carrey approaches Tommy Lee Jones and is like, "Oh, hey, hey, hi, hi, Tommy. How you doing?" Yeah. So apparently, yeah. So he's like, "Hey, Tommy. You know, the the next day they were filming their like biggest scene together, like their most important scene together." And he's like, "Hey, Tommy. I just wanted to say hi. I wanted to tell you I've I've, I've really enjoyed working with you, and I, you know, I, I'm a, I've always been a huge fan of yours." And Tommy Lee Jones, he Jim Carrey says he stands up and like is looking at him as if he had been fantasizing about killing him for the last hour. And so he's like, he pulls him in for a hug and he's like, I hate you. I, I really hate you. And he's like, and so Jim Carrey sits down with it. He's like, he's like, what, what's, what, what's the matter? Like, did I do something? Like what, what's going on? What do you mean? Can, he goes, can I just cut this off real yeah, quick? Yeah. He says, I hate you. I hate you. I really and hate then, you. Yeah. I really Jim, hate you. And, and so then Jim, Jim Carrey proceeds in Jim Carrey's story, he he told it on he told it to, to Norm Macdonald. Then he's like he told it to Norm Macdonald. He's like, in retrospect, I it's probably the worst. Like I shouldn't have sat down. So he's like he's and so Tommy Lee Jones says to him, <laughs> "I cannot Jim- sanction your buffoonery." And that's that's the story. <laughs> All time great quote. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah. So that's what he said to us. Um. But I I'm legit- honored. Yeah. I legitimately. Uh, you know, reached out to Gregory Smith, who plays Alan Abernathy, to, to to ask him about his time on on the the set, to, if he could give us any insight on what it was like filming Small Soldiers. Um, he told us that there's not a day, there's not a night that has gone by that he has not woken up in a cold sweat due to the horrors that occurred to him in the filming of this movie. Uh, apparently, uh, apparently Joe Dante wanted him to be sincerely terrified. Uh, so he would, uh, he would, you know, put knives in his bed and stuff like that. He would, he, he, he'd wake up and major chip hazard would be standing on his chest with a little, with a little pickaxe, uh, it, it, he he was he did not have kind things to say about the movie um even archer he said he did not have uh good things to say uh he woke up he, he like he said he woke up tied up uh by archer um and he he said i don't i didn't understand that one archer's supposed to be my friend and then he got uh, and then joe dante came in and hit him in the knee with a baseball bat uh he would he would just really try to went like method with it if you will uh went to the went to the kubrick school of directing uh i guess you could say i heard that bruce dern sent him a rat in the mail he did a dead rat he did so it's interesting a though, dead rat a dead rat and i and i believe used condoms, condoms right used, yeah used condoms Jesus. those classic bruce dern used condoms yeah. so it's interesting that you mention chip hazard and archer on the set because in a making of featurette that is a bonus feature that has interviews with the cast and crew. Mm-hmm. There are interviews with Major Chip Hazard and Archer. And there's also a lot of talk from the cast about Major Chip Hazard being a bit of a prima donna. 
<laughs> and they specifically go to Archer to address this. And I have Archer's quote written down. Archer says, a lot of gossip and innuendos have been spread on the set about shit. I don't want to be a part of it. Bad karma. This is real. You can, you can see this in the making of featurette. And uh, Chip does... Uh, look, I'm, I'm trying, you know, to... I mean, who knows? We don't know who's listening here, but Chip does seem like a bit of an asshole. Oh. I mean... I'm sorry I had to say it. <laughs> Goddamn. All right. When now that Chip- we know how you feel about Chip, I don't know. I got nothing. Uh, guys, I feel left out. I don't have a good bit. When That wasn't a bit. I was quoting the the comment the the My, featurette. Obviously, mine was a bit. I was trying to do you know Kubrick on The Shining, trying to scare mm-hmm. the bejesus out of Shelley Duvall. Right. Um, I I legitimately did reach out to Gregory Smith. He did not respond. Um, I mean, it's only been like a day. I know. If he does, we'll, you know, we'll update you. We'll guys. update you. But yeah, uh, hold on. I'm getting a I'm getting a FaceTime from from Major Chip Hazard. Oh this no! Can't be. Chris, don't take I'm, it. I'm going to... Mike, I have to take it. I'm going to take it. Hold on. Hello? You are nothing but dirt. You are scum. Who is it that called me a prima donna? Was it you four eyes? You get out there. Excuse me. Mr. Mr. Hazard, sir. Th- this, this is this is no way to welcome yourself to our show. That technology is... Oh, this poor excuse. This poor excuse for a show. Now you gotta. Now you gotta take things seriously. You gotta go to battle. You gotta go to battle against the against the the Gorgonzolas, as it may. Mister Hazard, what movies have you been in since Small Soldiers? Because because you're coming at me about the things that I'm doing with my time, but I haven't seen you appear in anything. Did you maybe do an episode of, of Dawson's Creek that I missed? I haven't had to do any movies, son. All I had to do was Small Soldiers. You hear me? But I do hear that I sound a little bit like a, a gentleman in in a, in a in some films about alien invasions. Uh, so uh, yeah, you know, I, I hear that a little bit. I hear that similarity, but personally, I don't see it. Mister Hazard, one last question for you, if I may. Sure. There were many salacious rumors going around about you and one of the Gwendy dolls on the set. And I, w- I would just like to, to get you on record to, to maybe give a comment about this. <laughs> a gentleman never kisses and tells. But if you want to hear something juicy, I can tell you one thing. Archer's a cocksucker. Well, that's all the time we have for you, Mr. Hazard. Thanks. Chip, big fan. See you, boys. Wow, guys. That, that was weird. That was awesome. I, I'm a big fan. Our second ever guest, we, we had an interview with <laughs> Major, Major Chip, Chip Hazard. Hazard of the Commando Elite. Pretty sweet. Was he was he quoting Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood? I like. Is Major Chip Hazard a fan of the cinema? <sighs> I can't see him being a fan of Ed Wood personally. I don't think that would be his kind of movie either. Obviously, he's a fan of Patton because of the the way that he he stepped in front of that that American flag when he was addressing the troops. He built a whole puzzle as homage. <laughs> hey, so guys, while what we listen, guys, to, yeah, go while ahead, we sorry, listen go to Frank, while we listen to Frankie's heat kick on, sound like somebody's throwing a bunch of ping pong balls. I want to <laughs> present to you guys early on in the movie when mm-hmm. David Cross and Jay Moore are presenting their pitch. Jay Moore's, yes, their pitch. There we go. I, I was, I couldn't, I was blanking on the term. And they show one of the recent toys that that they come up with. Mm-hmm. They show. 
Flachu of the Belch Brigade. And I would like you guys to know that in one of the waves of small soldier action figures, they released a Flachu. Oh my God. So there was a time when, when children were able to actually buy a Flachu of I the wish. Belch Brigade. I wish I would have been able to get it. So another thing related to the toys in the universe, it's said late in the movie when they are asked uh, at, at the end after all the brouhaha, when they're asked how much Globotech is charging for these figures, David mm-hmm. Cross goes, uh, $79.99. Yeah. $80 they were for in these 1998. Toys. That's like $12,000 by today's yeah. standards. <laughs> that's insane. Nobody was buying those in 1998. No. Like, that's crazy. No. No. Like, and also buy, then instead of two of them you buy a fucking playstation or something and also how how much did no. Al, how much money did alan give joe for a set of them right he was gonna He's run like, the I'll shop out of business when I... <laughs> that's we can we, we can only know. assume that his father has not made a sale in months hey joe i got a paper route i'll pay you back that's like, the actual reason why uh why Alan got kicked out of school is because he held up kids for that lunch money. Mm. <laughs> like, but the entire school apparently, because he just bought yeah. a full set of fucking Gorgonites and Elite Command, right? Command, he, he, Command Elite. So, um, yeah, Alan's dad owns a toy store, and like Alan works there, and that's that's what we were talking about with uh, him buying toys for the store. And that the toy store thing, looked weird as hell. Yeah, awful. And so, well, so yeah, it, and, and well, he has a rule. Uh, we hear this from from the truck driver. That is that uh, he has no war toys. So Alan tries to tries to get the commando elites and the Gar- and the Gorgonites, uh, you know, on the low key, and he tries to sell them before his father can see it. Also, that kid is way too young to be running a store on his own. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like what, like twelve, thirteen? <clears throat> I'd say like fourteen, fifteen. There's no way he's fifteen. So I think no. Uh, way. I think Kirsten Dunst is supposed to be like 16. I think she is 16 and supposed to be around that age. Here's an interesting thing that I that I saw. So there's the scene where her boyfriend uh, leaves the house and he kisses her on the cheek. But then she does have a scene where she like makes out with Alan. Now, is it possible that the guy playing the boyfriend was an adult and she was 16 so they were like hey we cannot have them kiss you can't do you can't you can't peck on the lips because that would be weird because this dude's like 19 yeah we cannot have them kiss kiss her on the cheek knowing the 90s not a fucking chance i think it's supposed to be more like oh they're just not they're not like really boyfriend and girlfriend they're like kind of dating or whatever i see it more as like that that's not like a solid relationship like alan's not a homewrecker in this movie <laughs> like they're they're i don't know did you not see his home at the end of the movie the the roof was caved in no, i think he's a homewrecker he, he didn't wreck the home the the command uh, who who brought the toys into the home i ask you that frank ag- excellent point you're right i'm sorry i apologize um but uh Let's let's talk about the toys. Uh, yes, incredible what do think, Well, what do we think? This? How do we think the CGI holds up on the toys? I think in more cases than not, I think the CGI holds up pretty well. I agree. The, the CGI there are was, some spots where it looks a little rough, a little rough, a little too glossy. But for the most but, part, I think it looks pretty pretty damn good. So, it, it's pretty forgiving because they actually yeah. have to look like toys. Yeah. So 
my my theory is because it's live action and CG. Yeah. That's what takes away from the CG. I think if this is a complete CG world like Toy Story, mm-hmm. it's as good as Toy Story. That's how good I think the CG absolutely. is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can, I can totally see that. Um, but I think in what they were doing, uh, I, st- I think it looks good. And there are, some, there are some scenes and sequences where you can't tell if it's CGI or an animatronic that they, mm-hmm. that they had put together, you know? And a lot of some of them are animatronic, obviously. Yes, and a lot of that is due to the quality of the houses that, that they yes. had work, b- both sides of that. The CGI was done by ILM, and, uh, you know, like Industrial Light and Magic is obviously of great quality. They, they yeah. were just coming off Mars Attacks, mm-hmm. which also holds up pretty well visually. Um, and then the puppets and the animatronics were done by Stan Winston's Creature Shop, which, of course, it has an insane pedigree. I mean, the yeah. great Stan Winston. And they, the, the Creature Shop... For this movie, between the puppets and and the animatronics, created 227 figures. Wow. Which is insane. And the whole movie was supposed to be with puppets and animatronics. Right. Per per Joe Dante, they had planned to use mostly puppetry. But the final product was only about one-third puppets and the rest was CGI. Because the CGI proved to be cheaper and easier. Wow. But the CGI the, the, was cheaper, easier, and they got um, they couldn't get the puppets that, to do what they wanted for some of the action. I'm, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Right, like say, like up on like the the telephone pole, you know, yeah. like how you you need think of how tall the man would have to be to stand under there with his hand up a puppet. <laughs> they have to be the world's tallest man. They're on top of a telephone pole. No, Mike, Mike, they couldn't convince the puppets to climb the pole. Oh, that makes sense. They're like Muppets. Um, They're yeah, real. Archer was like, I'm too scared. <laughs> oh, Ocula. And Ocula <laughs> just wiggles around or something. But yeah, like the, the puppetry, again, the, there's a great behind the scenes featurette and they have a lot of footage of the puppetry and the puppetry and the animatronics are incredible. When you see them like testing these things out, like legitimately testing out the lower halves of these, legitimately walking on their own. It, yeah. It's wild. All the character designs and the puppetry and the CGI all holds up fabulously. Absolutely. Holds up absolutely tremendously. There'll be, you know, occasions here and there, but the movie is, you know, over 20 years old. So that's to be expected. 23 years old now. Ridiculous. This movie can buy a drink. Don't tell Blink-182 that they're 23. Am I right? (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, So, so... um, you know what my favorite line is in this movie? It's when Punch It says, "Way was hiding." <laughs> How dare now, you? now that that is Slamfist. His name is Slamfist. Oh, Slamfist. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And Slamfist is both Frank and I's favorite Gorgonite. Really? It's, it's we, we were discussing this before. Notes. <laughs> He's adorable. He's great. He, He's got he, a fist that he slams. He His fist is a big old boulder. He loves Ahmed Johnson. Mm-hmm. He's a gentle giant. And he accidentally changes the channel by accident the way I do. I love him. What about when the Gorgonites decide to get into the fight and he's swinging around yelling, Sanctuary! Sanctuary! <laughs> um, the best. I love how the... Because the, the whole character design of, of the Gorgonites is that they're programmed to hide. The Commando yes. Elite are programmed to you know fight and win... 
and the Gorgonizer program to hide and lose. And yeah. I love, there's so many scenes where Archer's like, all right, Gorgonites, come on, you guys. Come on, you scams, come out of hiding. And like, they'll just pop up in the weirdest places. My favorite is late in the movie when Archer is convincing them that they have to fight because if they hide, they lose. Mm-hmm. And one of them opens the oven and he's just <laughs> standing in the oven. <laughs> It's so good the way they just hide wherever. I I yeah. love it. Um, but you know I love I love when uh obviously there's the whole issue with Alan. Um, his parents well, call, do not calling believe- him bomb threats. Well, yes, but his parents do not believe anything that he says. They and they think he's he's getting into trouble all the time. They can't trust him. Um, and just and what a performance like, by Kevin Dunn as his father, dude. He's so good. He's tremendous. He's, really good. Like it, he's one of those guys that it's like, when's he bad? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. But anyway, so uh, it, he's trying to convince his parents that the toys have come to life, and his mother asks him, "Are you on drugs? Is it crystal meth, tar, smack?" <laughs> yes, that's right, tar. <laughs> And then, and then another highlight from his mother when she's playing defense in the house as they are shooting flaming tennis balls into the into the house, and uh, she grabs a tennis racket and is smacking them back out of the house. And her father, as <laughs> as they are trying to like deal with stuff in the house, nice forehand, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good line. <laughs> the the entire script, the dialogue, it's, it's so fantastic. snappy, it's so yeah. witty. Yeah. It, it really has that that charm that that more or less everything you get from yeah. Joe Dante does. Yeah, the three the three jokes at the end of the movie after there's all the destruction and Dennis Leary, uh, you know, oh, lands his helicopter in the so street <laughs> and there and and everybody, you know, there's the truck driver who's like uh, Joe or whatever. Yeah, Joe. He, he's like he's like oh, you know, I, I hit my head and I got a, I emotional got a lot distress. Of, a lot of emotional distress, and they print out a check and he goes, "Wow, okay." <laughs> and, then, and, and then Phil Hartman. Yeah, Phil Hartman goes, goes, uh, he goes, hey, all this destruction of my home, my technology, I got to replace. And they give him a check. And he's like, in, in all this, they give him a check. And so he's like, all the t- technology I got to replace, this should take care of it. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then yeah, Kevin Dunn, look at my house. This is destroyed. Is, uh, what is going to, how are you going to fix this? Oh, that, that should do it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And the the best thing is that that is legitimately like the the only kind of resolution that yeah, there is. Like this, yeah. like is he the he gets pays them off. Yeah, right. And then he gets back in his helicopter and he flies away. Like right. Dennis Leary just flies away. Like there's no like oh the the corporation gets theirs or anything. The corporation yeah. pays off all these people. He flies away and that's it. But he says, Jay Moore, Jay Moore said, tries to take responsibility for it. Right? Oh, that's and right. Dennis oh, Leary says, fault. let's send these toys to the Congo. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think it was like so, some South Africa. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I think there's a lot of, uh, he's like, I think there are a lot of soldiers that would really like these things or something like that. God damn. He's going to send <laughs> these things to war. <laughs> now that, that would be a great sequel. That's a great sequel. Let's see it. Joe. What do you got for us? Uh, so real quick, speaking of sequels, uh, it wasn't a sequel per se, but there was supposed to be a remake. Oh, no, uh, hate it. No, never. Never remake this. So there was a canceled remake called Toymageddon. Mm-hmm. The, the details are very scarce. Very terrible, scarce. Terrible name. Toymageddon. 
uh, was in development at 21st Century Fox. I, be- mm-hmm. I believe Justin Lin was signed on to be the director. It was a casualty of the Disney buyout, hmm. uh, which well, is where we found. So when Disney bought it, they ended up canceling a whole slate of 21st century movies. This was one of them. Yeah. And this is actually how it got out that this was supposed to be a small soldiers remake. Uh, it was supposed to take place, I think in a toy factory. Yes. Yeah, so it was the toys going wild inside the factory. Inside the factory. Okay. Which could I like have been that. Awesome. Yeah. Cause it's different enough. It's it, different it enough seemed, to not hurt small soldiers, but the concept is clearly like the same thing. It seems they, to be and, a very loose idea of a remake. Yeah, yeah. and they like, could also implement like actual toy brands, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Well, then we just have a, a Wreck-It Ralph situation. Sure, I mean, yeah, but I think it could it could work. Yeah, dude, G.I. Joe's versus He-Man and the Master of the Universe? When, when he, Which is when essentially he talk, what this is. yeah. When he talks about it, Joe Dante doesn't seem thrilled with the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the sense I get from it. He said, originally I was told to make an edgy picture for teenagers or when the sponsor tie-ins came in, the new mandate uh, was to soften it up as a kiddie movie. Too late as it turned out and there were elements of both approaches in there. And just before the release, it was purged of a lot of the action explosions. Mm-hmm. I, I read that quote too. And it's interesting because on one hand, I would certainly like to see whatever Joe Dante envisioned for it. Yeah, absolutely. But on the other hand, I think it strikes a perfect balance. Definitely. I, I Definitely. think the, the balance of, of the edgier aspects that he refers to, and then uh, I guess what, what he says are the, are the more sponsor-implemented, uh, more, more toned-down aspects, I think strike such a perfect balance that makes this just a, a great movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially like specifically, I've seen a couple of places that specifically explosions were cut from this movie, which yeah. like there's still a lot of explosions in this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. what was this a fucking Michael Bay film before? Like, how many explosions got cut if there's still like eight? Right, and so, and obviously, so I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. Well, well I, I was I was gonna go back to uh, the the sequel talk. So if you had something yes. along the same, no, line, no, go okay. ahead. So. Uh, Along the lines of the sequel slash remake, there, there was a, a, a they dove further into the world of small soldiers, and that was with the PlayStation One video game, which I definitely owned, and I know I played basically never because it sucked, <laughs> and I thought I thought it sucked when I was seven years old. The story was it, it was set like within the world uh, of the Commando Elite and the Gorgonites. Mm-hmm. And the story was that the commando elite were taking the battle to Gorgon, the homeland of the Gorgonites. And there's a trailer for the video game and the bonus features, at least on the DVD. It just looks so bad. They're just in a room and like Archer is like fighting like generic soldiers. And then like Insaniac is like chained to something. And there's like robots. It, it's awful. And th- that plot doesn't do anything for me. The, the whole fun aspect of the movie, to me, at least when I was a kid, is that they were toys. Like, don't yeah. give me, don't give me like, a, a game that's, like, in their world. Like, their made-up world. Like, give right. me something that involves right. them being toys. Right. But I also have these... Sorry, Mike. You're going to hate the new Buzz Lightyear movie, huh? Well, you see, it's not, it's not about Buzz Lightyear. It's about the man that the toy is based on. <sighs> Frank. Oh, you gotta, right. you gotta, you gotta realize it. You hated Buzz Lightyear Star Commander, then. Right, gotcha. but this, but this is okay because it's about the, the real being. person. 
that gotcha. Buzz Lightyear is based on. Gotcha. It's going to suck. So Small Soldiers was released in July of 98. <laughs> mm-hmm. The budget was $40 million. Uh, Did you guys see the box office? No. I you, did see did, it. You, you have a guess, Chris? $40 million was the budget? Mm-hmm. I don't remember how big of a hit it was. Neither I'm did I. Say, I I'm, I'm going to say I don't think it hit 100. I'm going to say it did about 80 million. 87.5. Wow. Okay. You were close, but also pretty damn good. You know, yeah, like that, yeah. that's, uh, that's. It doubled. Yeah, absolutely. Rumor has it that the toys did more money than the movie did, though. Wow. Somebody, I, somebody, associate, somebody associated with the movie said that. I don't think it was Joe Dante. I think it was a producer, or it might have been one of the. Um, what's the special effects guy's name? I just lost it. It just slipped out of my head. Stan Winston? One of Stan Winston's guys that like was heavily involved in the design aspect, I think said that. So yeah, the toys, I can only imagine the toys did tremendous. Probably. Mike, there's obviously you've got a huge connection to Joe Joe Dante. You are an enormous fan of the Gremlins series. Um, I'm sure you've and, noticed. And Looney Tunes back in action, baby. There you go. Um, there are two, uh, you know, two major Gremlins references in this. One, there is a Gremlins skull on Alan's desk in his room. The Which second is very one, upsetting to me. Yeah. The second one is that uh, uh, the computer password that is given to Larry is Gizmo. Mm-hmm. And then there's a Gizmo toy that can be spotted in the in the dumpster with the Gorgonites when we first meet the Gorgonites. Which is also very upsetting to me. <laughs> that somebody threw it out. Get Gizmo out of that dumpster. When, you know, when do you guys first remember seeing this? You see, you know, hearing about this movie or seeing anything about this movie? I know for sure that I saw it in theaters. Um, I definitely would have had to have seen like commercials and everything, but my, my main memories having seen it in theaters and then that's highly connected to having some of the burger king kids meal toys mm. um but definitely like when it came out or, or you know right right in that general time frame of july 98 like i, I was like aware like right from the get-go yeah I, I don't think i saw it in theaters i'm pretty sure i did not see it in theaters um but i definitely have like a vhs tape somewhere in a box of vhs tapes so I, I oh, probably man. bought it like when it came out on VHS because I definitely had like some of the toys. I definitely had some of the Burger King toys. Definitely had some of the real toys. Um, I don't think I had Archer or Chip, which is kind of upsetting, but mm. you know. I just yeah. remembered a great fun fact. This was the first ever PG-13 movie. This was the first PG-13 movie that I ever saw. Oh, okay. oh wow. Oh, okay. Wow. I thought you were going to take one of, my, one of my fun facts, which is speaking of the VHS – that it is one of the only PG-13 movies to be sold in a clamshell case. Hell yeah. On VHS. Hell yeah. Uh, and also the last. Um, I think I have mine I somewhere. Had, I had that one. Absolutely. I, That's I the think one I, I have. only have it in a box somewhere. Yeah, I think I have it somewhere. Um, but one of the, as far as like, you know, uh, n- you know, finding out about it, I, I remember distinctly the first time that I saw anything regarding this. I was at uh, Yankee Stadium. I was six years old. In 1998, I had to be June or July because, you know, they and and I I came out of the bathroom 
going back to the seats. And at Yankee Stadium, there was, you know, at the old Yankee Stadium, there's the, the blue walls in the, like, navy blue walls in the concourse. And they would have advertisements for beer or whatever. And there was a big, big, big poster for small soldiers. And I saw the poster for it, and I said, well, that looks cool. And then I saw commercials for it, and then I remember seeing there's the standee that uh, that they bring into the uh, that that we we see a standee of Major Chip, Chip Hazard in the movie, and I remember one of him dis- pointing the gun in the movie. That I remember they, dis- the gun out of. Yeah, they made it a hand instead, just his pointing the finger. I remember distinctly seeing that standee at the uh, at the Levittown AMC for at that point Lowe's theater i i distinctly remember seeing that standee there hell yeah yeah um and obviously there and obviously the commercials for it and stuff but i definitely don't think i saw it in theaters Um, i saw it on home video for the first time yeah how cool would it be to have that standee now oh i want to look it up i want to find it i don't know what else there is to 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 go about this um we all love it. It's a great movie. Yep. It holds up well. I, whenever, whenever I hear the song "War," what is it good for? I think of them <laughs> bursting out of the garage door, mm-hmm. um, and and also I think of Boy Meets World. Corey singing it at, of at karaoke. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's it's that, it's, it's tremendous. <laughs> I, I mean, for for me and for my sensibilities, and I'm putting this out there as a um, mm-hmm. as a disclaimer. But like for me and my sensibilities and like the kinds of things that like i'm into in a movie this is a perfect movie like for, for me and my tastes this is a perfect movie i'm not you know i'm not trying to you know tell you know a, a film buff that this is a perfect film but like for me <laughs> and for, for a, my for my tastes a, this is yeah. a perfect movie it's, it's a, a great movie it's, it's great not a movie great watching film. experience yeah i was astounded at how 23 years later how funny it still is yeah i could not believe how well that held up that, it's that's it's what's tremendous. crazy about it is how much the stuff that has a shelf life of like negative time, never mind like CG and comedy, don't have shelf lives at all. And mm-hmm. both of them hold up tremendously in this. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's, it, it's the kind of thing. I mean, I wasn't necessarily worried going into watching it about it not holding up because I, I figured one way or another the nostalgia would, you know, get me through it. But I really was pleasantly surprised by how well. And I, I think in a way that's somehow a testament to Joe Dante because the Gremlins movies also have that same timeless element Definitely. to them that, that, that this does. It, there there are a lot of versions of this movie that does not work at all. Absolutely. Um, but the one that we got hits on every level. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it can't be argued. Uh, what, what, a, what a treat to be able to revisit it. Yeah. And of course, we, we did this yeah. timing-wise in conjunction with the release of the Blu-ray, mm-hmm. which Chris and I have been pining for for years. I, I have tweeted uh, DreamWorks, I can't even tell you how many times, to please get a Blu-ray made. Oh. Um, not, you know, I, you know, not caring that DreamWorks is not the person who, are not the people that <laughs> control that. So, um, real but... <laughs> quick, uh, I believe... Amblin owns the rights, which is Steven Spielberg's uh, company. I believe so. Even though yeah. it doesn't show, like, there's no Amblin logo anywhere associated. Right, and I don't, with the movie. and I don't think he has producer credit at all. So yeah. no, I don't think so either. But 
apparently this came out within the same month of Saving Private Ryan. So, you know, two giant Spielberg war movies within a month of each other. <laughs> and Spielberg was sued by someone over Small Soldiers. Uh, I, I don't have the details in front of me. I forget the story. But there was something where a like a young independent filmmaker, I guess, said that it, it hit a lot of the same beats as his movie oh, and, di- and did attempt to sue Spielberg over it. Stop it. Yeah, I read that somewhere also, and it was a quick blurb about it, so I, I don't think anything ever came of it. Fellas, what's your letterbox rating for Small Soldiers? Four stars. I think, I think we're all in unison on this one, actually. Four stars for me also. Yep, we're in the hand-holding club. It's, it's four stars. Absolutely. It's a great movie. I, I love it as much, if not more, than I did when I was a kid. Um, it, um, I'm so glad it holds up as well as it does. There's... There's certain, certainly different things that I appreciate now, you know, than when I was a kid. Like, uh, I mean, when Hartman. you're when, <laughs> Phil Hartman, yeah, uh, you know, when when you're a kid, it's fun because of the the jokes and the explosions mm-hmm. and the toys and everything. Mm-hmm. But like to watch it as an adult who like, I'd like to think I have like a decent understanding of film, and to be able to watch <laughs> it with with that now, um, of course, that says the guy that on this show has said how much he loves Murder on the Orient Express. But I like to think I have a decent understanding of film. And to be able to watch it through those eyes now and mm-hmm. to have it hold up so well, just really, like, what a delight. Like, that yeah. That really, really pleased me. I, I think this is probably my favorite movie of the ones that we've watched so far, I, I believe. I mean, I don't have the list in front of me. I know there's Cloverfield, but um, I didn't see Cloverfield when I was seven. <laughs> and I saw Small Soldiers <laughs> when I was seven, so... Yeah, I, I I have to agree. And obviously, you know, dude, this movie brought a tear to my eye when they go back in the they you know they take the ship from the from the store uh, at the end of the movie. After well, first of all, we we brought up the we brought up the big satellite dish, which makes the big return because it saves them from being from being uh, having having their chips you know deactivated basically right, the, the, the whole climax yeah. of the movie if you somehow have gotten this far into the episode and haven't <laughs> seen the movie is they set off an emp to try to fry all the chips and all of these toys and the gorgonites hide under a satellite dish so they're not affected by the emp yeah and so that saves them uh alan brings them to this uh little like creek like you know river thing so that that it's, uh, it's archer had be, seen a picture of it's supposed to be uh yosemite national park actually yeah so like yeah obviously a, beautiful landscape exactly experience. exactly and he said and and he sees it on the computer as he's trying to de- like basically find all the information in the universe and he says gorgon and then uh they they you know bring him you know he brings them in in the boat that he had broken at his father's store and has them set sail away out of his life I, start, I, I started tearing up too. I got to be honest with you. When they yeah. started sailing away, they started tear, I started tearing up. You know when I stopped tearing up? When Insaniac started doing his stand-up comedy bit again. <laughs> uh, what, what do you say? Is, is this a boat or an oil painting? What? <laughs> we, we, we need to talk Insaniac because this guy has like the hackiest material yeah. throughout the entire movie. Sick design though. He looks awesome. Yeah, but his jokes suck. Yeah, but, you know, he's just starting, man. Is he? Yeah, he's been out of the box for, like, what, half a day? (gasps) Stinky Pete, you're out of your box. (laughs) So I also 
uh, teared up a little bit, but mine was at the post credit scene where they had the, it was a quick little, um, like Phil Hartman blooper. And then the four Phil popped up mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh no. Yeah. Fuck, there's, a, there's a post credits. Yeah, there's a just it's Hartman like flubs a line or oh, make fun fuck. of him for his delivery. I gotta pop in the fucking Blu-ray after this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just like a little flub, and then it says for Phil, which is like, oh man, that got me. That got me good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. Small um, Soldiers. Yeah. It's not it, is it's not streaming anywhere currently, right? It, it just got no. Out. It it was it was streaming on Prime, and now you have to rent it but if you have a cbs add-on for for prime you I can think watch it for free if you yeah if you have cbs all access or if you have the all act cbs all access like prime channel yeah then it's you can, on there you can do it yeah otherwise hey buy the blu-ray for 12 bucks i i'm when we yeah. sign off i'm probably going to go buy the blu-ray because i forgot to look for it when i was ordering the other night live do a little it right that. now Live a do little it right now and uh, start right going now. into do physical it. media like we do. Yeah. So speaking of uh, Blue Boys, did anybody buy anything? So I have something coming on Saturday and what next week because two things are coming. Uh, so I'll talk about one this week, one next week, because I think the other thing's coming when we record next week. So I have coming within the next day or so the Ultra HD Cloverfield which I nabbed for 10 bucks on wow on Amazon which is so it's the Ultra HD disc the Blu-ray and the digital code which I'm stoked on to get into those special features especially we've done an episode on Cloverfield and I have not dabbled with these special features mm-hmm. and it blew my mind how much how much is on this disc and I finally pulled the trigger bought Cloverfield 10 bucks guys like Yeah, you, you can't, can't beat that wrong. price. I said it when we did the Cloverfield episode because I had just recently gotten the 4k also on amazon also for 10 bucks i think the 4k transfer is great and the bonus features that like you said there's a bevy of them like there's really great bonus stuff for you to dig into i mean for 10 bucks the movie's worth 10 bucks so all that other stuff oh my god so i'm I'm stoked to finally get it and just because the news broke in between our recordings cloverfield sequel yeah oh yeah (laughs) come on Oh my goodness! That honestly, that's probably subconsciously why I ended up buying it because I was going through like one of my lists and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I could buy Cloverfield for ten bucks right now." And then the other movie, I'll tell you guys next week when it gets here because okay. I'm stoked on that. Also, Mike gave me a heads up about it and I, I pulled the trigger on it. Sorry, I was thinking about Cloverfield. What did I give you a heads up on? <laughs> on the the other movie that's coming, but that's not coming till next week. Oh. Mike, what did you oh, buy? Oh, I know what it is. Hey, yeah, you... I didn't say that I bought anything. Oh. But guess what? I did. Yeah, we know. <laughs> I bought from my beloved Bull Moose. I was able to get a couple Warner Archive titles. I've mentioned Warner Archive here and there. Um, it's Warner's print on de- or made-on-demand Blu-ray service that it's primarily for like a lot of older movies that they're not going to give like a full retail release mm-hmm. to. The prices vary. Uh, a lot of times they're around the $20 price point. Sometimes you can get like a good deal. They, they do a couple times a year. They do a four for 44 sale, which is pretty which darn is- good when they're mostly 20 bucks. Yeah. My beloved Bull Moose, who I've mentioned plenty of times before, uh, shout out to Bull Moose. I, uh, I always check them for prices because their prices are tremendous. I've told the boys before, 
my dream is to go on a feature presentation road trip to Maine and then New Hampshire on the way back and just go to all the bull moose stores. We'll just bring like Tucker totes and put them in the trunk and just fill them with everything we buy. But that's like legitimately my dream. Like my birthday's coming. I'm just going to make people go to Maine. I mean, my dude's coming in June. We still got some time for, you know, hopefully more vaccines and everything. But anyway, yeah. so I, ch- I checked bull moose on these. Pro- and especially because like my birthday is the only important thing happening in June. So like if, if we could just do that, um, you know, that'll be great. So I like to check Bull Moose for prices because their prices are always great. And I was able to get three Warner Archive titles that I've had my eye on, but I've been waiting for a sale for. So first of all, I was able to get a three pack of all threes, all threes, all three That's Entertainments. Hell yeah. Which Frank, I believe, spoke about on the show recently when we watched I did re- I did recommend those on the show and Mike immediately took those words to heart and bought That's Entertainment. So like you people should watch that that's mm-hmm. entertainment also. i mean be- between your glowing review and me like watching like a couple of the trailers and knowing what i was getting into and i was talking to my dad about it and he told me yeah i saw the blu-ray and almost bought it for you because i know you would <laughs> love it so because like he saw them and was telling me how great they were so i bought those i was able to get those for uh 10 bucks below wow. what they what they would be i was able to get this alfred hitchcock collection that's a fairly recent release that i had my eye on when I ordered from Warner Archive for Black Friday, but it was not on sale. And because it's a four pack of four movies, it was $40. And I was already doing the four for 44 sale. I didn't want to spend another $40 on this four pack, but it is the wrong man, suspicion, I confess and dial M for murder. Um, Dial M for murder also includes the 3d version, but I don't have a 3d TV, so it doesn't really matter. But that on Warner Archive is 40. I got that from our pals at Bull Moose for only 30. So another one, 10 bucks off. And then lastly, I got the monster movie, The Green Slime, which I've always heard my dad talk about. And that on Warner Archive is 20. On Bull Moose, it was 13.97. And I had Bull Moose points saved up. So I got it for half price at 6.98. Sick. So I saved over $30. So it it worked out very nice. I love Bull Moose. Love Bull Moose very much. Love their points. The gimmick with their points, guys, is like you you add up the points, obviously, you know, as you buy things. I mean, that's where how points work mm-hmm. everywhere. I don't need to explain that part. But say, like, let's say you have, like I did, let's say you have 14 points. The way that works is that you can then get any item up to $14 for half off. Oh, I like that. Hey, Chris, what yeah. uh, what did you buy? Small soldiers. That's it. I did watch some stuff, though. And oh, I can tell you what I watched. We'll see. Was his, but, Chris, you don't want to talk about Small Soldiers? You just bought it. Well, he also just watched it, though. So maybe he'll talk about it now. Hey, yeah, have, yeah. You guys, have you guys seen the movie Small Soldiers? This, this, thing's, this thing's really wild. Never heard uh, of it. So they're toys that have military microchips in them. And get this. They try to wage war with one another. It's... It's out there. Chris, I heard it's a big movie. It is. <laughs> um, no, so I watched I watched Get On Up. Uh, Chadwick, uh, Chadwick Boseman obviously is a revelation. He is incredible as James Brown. Uh, the movie is all right. Good. It's good. Um, it's not great. Yeah. But Chadwick uh, is incredible. He's uh, unbelievable in it. I, wa- I, I finally watched Magnolia. I set aside three hours last Saturday to watch Magnolia. 
and uh, I I loved it. I thought it was incredible. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson. It's fucking uh, long though. Call, it's so long. It, he called in like for fifty thousand rubber frogs at the end of the movie. I think Tom Cruise is magnificent in in the movie. He's so good. He he and John C. Riley are the two big standouts. They're so good. The way that that everything interweaves uh, is so so well done. Um, I finally watched Gone Girl. I think it's one of David Fincher's best. I'm not a Ben Affleck fan, and I thought he was tremendous. Uh, and obviously, the big takeaway is Rosamund Pike. And it's like, how did she not blow up after this movie? Because she is, that's one of the best performances of the last decade, um, is her as, as the Gone Girl. Um, what if a girl was gone? Yeah, what if? So it's it's great psychological thriller, you know, uh, and like it really fucked with you with my head. Um, That's my number three, Fincher. It's so fucking scary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then listen, I watched a movie by Nancy Myers called "Something's Got to Give." Oh boy. Man, you're not even waiting for me to get to mine. Okay, Jack Nicholson. He's dating Amanda Pete. Her name's Marin. He falls for Marin's mother, Diane Keaton. Her name's Erica Berry. Erica Berry falls in love with Dr. Keanu Reeves, but she also falls in love with Jack Nicholson. Mike, something's got to give. In fact, something did give. And that was Diane Keaton gave Jack Nicholson the scissors with which to cut off her turtleneck in bed. Cut it off. Frank, Frank, Frank. Guys, guys. I gotta we, say, you're starting to make me nervous with all these movies that you love so much. Because Frank, we, sound- we we keep telling you that you need to watch these Nancy Myers and Nora Ephron movies, and you know you you keep just you know politely nodding away while while your your heater makes all sorts of weird noises. Mm-hmm. At some point, you're going to have to take our advice, and you're going to have to jump into these. And I feel like something's got to give us the one for Nicholson, you to jump into. Yes, I think because you're a fan of Nicholson, and I mean. Keanu was great in it. Diane Keaton is great in it. Amanda Pete, she's there. I, I think you definitely need to watch Something's Gotta Give. It's Amanda Pete is it's there. Um, is it wrong? She's there. No, she is there. Uh, it, so here's yeah. the deal. I watched this movie and I texted Chris as soon as it was done. And I said, you need to watch Something's Gotta Give. It is an insane film. And Chris who, God bless him, I can't get to fucking watch Broadcast News or any of the other 20 <laughs> movies that I recommend. But Something's Gotta Give, he watched hours later. And is... It, it is a trip. It, it is, hey, it's Frank, one of the most chaotic movies I've ever seen. Frank, Diane Keaton stands up uh, Keanu Reeves, and Keanu Reeves at dinner says, it appears I've been stood up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll watch it now. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's incredible. Do you want to see Jack Nicholson have multiple heart attacks? I Look mean, like a beached whale laying on the <laughs> on the ground. He's uh, about right, he's about to right. have I sex have with watch, he's right. about to have, have sex with Amanda Pete, and he falls out of bed having a heart attack, and he just lays there like drenched in sweat, like. Ugh. But but because he's got like this rule that he only dates women under thirty, and he's like sixty five, and then of Diane Keaton does. goes to help goes to help him and give him mouth to mouth and he goes like <laughs> right, he recoils recoils in horror 
Frank, you need to watch something. It is, dude, Jack I'll Nicholson in this movie is one of the, the greatest displays of physical comedy I've seen in a movie in quite <laughs> some time. Every single thing he does is is incredible. I don't want to say no, I do think it's an incredible performance because he's he's like he's playing himself. He's playing Jack Nicholson, but he's so good in this movie. You're a woman to love. <laughs> I love you. Don't say I don't watch any of these movies because I I'm did not, watch. I'm not great watched, at this monogamy thing. What did you I watch? Watched, I watched When Harry Met Sally a couple of weeks ago. Oh we man! Did you good. did you watch Julie and Julia? No, because I'm no. Go watch Julie I and Julia. To, I need to build Julie and Julia. Frankie, that is not Frankie. You can't dive in feet first. Yes, you Julie can. Julia. Yes, you can. Frank, dive Frankie. in like a nice soup. Frankie. <sighs> Stanley Tucci is so fucking hot in that movie. Oh my god, he's jacked. Stanley Tucci's hot in everything. Yeah, yeah, but look, watch him in Julie and Julia. I could pull up pictures on the internet if I want to do that. You guys have got to see Big Night, with which Tucci stars in and directed. I did put that in my watch list because great that's, that's, Tucci. That's him and uh, uh, Monk. Yeah, Tony what's Shalhoub? Monk's real name? Tony Shalhoub. Thank you. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean he he's tremendous. by the way. Like, it's it's more than a touch of the tubes. Like you get the whole thing. Like it's... you get you guys monk guys or nah? No, I I know there were commer- there were commercials during Raw a lot. Like that's it. It's not bad. My mom really likes it, and I've seen episodes. It's it's not terrible. So wh- remind me, what is the premise again? It's what if there was a monk? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it all ooh, takes place I, at a I monastery. Do, I do love I do love the theme song by uh, Randy Newman. It's a jungle out there. <laughs> it's a jungle out there. Do, 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 do. That's like Louis Armstrong. <laughs> Sorry, so yeah, it's a jungle out there. Easy there, Ray. <laughs> it's a jungle out there. <laughs> you watch anything else, Chris? Um, to to shout out, no, uh, no, no, nothing, nothing else to shout out. Frank, Those what are you... things that I really like? Oh, I watched The Witches, and it's the worst hunk of shit I've ever. Oh seen. my god, it's so bad. Oh my Frank, god, you look composed. Terrible. Frank, quick, quick, you're composed. Do you want to shout anything out? Every time I'm gonna hear that stupid monk theme song, I'm gonna think of Ray Romano singing it because Chris can't do the voice. I can't do Randy Newman. I'm sorry. No, I'm sure I can. It's a jungle out there. Yeah, that's it. That's Randy Newman. It's a jungle out there. No. It's a jungle out there. No, that sounds like something, but you I'm not sure. You got a friend in me. No, that's actually, definitely actually, that's Randy not bad. Yeah. The, the me good. was the key. The me. <laughs> me. So, uh, uh, Frank, do you want to go or should I go? Uh, I could go. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so I uh, once again, uh, I'm on. A, oh wait, a wait a minute! You told me that you didn't watch any movies. What uh, so is this I'm all in a, about? Yeah, I'm in a funk. Get I'm out of here! Where I'm not, mute him! I'm not mute him! Kick movies. him off! Kick I, him off I, the! I kick him off mute. the Zoom! I could mute. Thank <laughs> you. Um, but I did watch for the first time in a very long time. Uh, I, I restarted Samurai Jack, which I'm stoked on. I watched the first three episodes, which is basically like a movie almost. E- episodes. The first three episodes. Not I'm sorry. Are you talking TV shows? In a block. Not first you're talking about. First you're talking about Samurai Monk. Jack. First Not you're talking about Monk. Movie. And now you're talking about Samurai Jack. We're we're a movie podcast, Frank. Anyways, and then I also watched, uh, of course, part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. WandaVision episode four was awesome. Not That's it for me, movie. though. That's it for me. Unless you guys want to listen to incredible though. Unless you want to uh, listen to me talk about fucking freedoms death matches, so 
Mike, what did you watch? I mean, I'd be fine with the Freedom's Deathmatch talk. Uh, my my big thing. <laughs> good. My my big thing was something's got to give. Mm. Besides that, I don't really have anything that I want to shout out in like a positive fashion. Um, uh, eh, no, not really. Um, like I watched uh, the little things, and I thought it was bad. I watched Hancock. Yeah, but Jared Leto is going to get nominated for an Oscar. I watched. So oh, you is, know he what I, is he getting nominated because he lost like seventy pounds for it or something? Like he like I, I read like he like really emaciated bad. himself. Like is that why he's getting nominated? He's I don't really fucking bad. get it. He's really bad in it. Uh, I watched Philadelphia for the first time ever. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. I thought you it's hilarious, right? I thought you weren't saying anything good about stuff. Uh, but but that but that it's, wait it's hilarious it's so funny oh no oh sweetie no there's a really there's like a really good like early era Family Guy joke where they're at the movies and Peter's like oh Tom Hanks Tom, that's that's who it is he's from Big everything he says is a stitch I have AIDS <laughs> that's right I do remember that <laughs> that is a classic Family Guy bit yeah. um also uh, remember when Family Guy was good oh man that was like three seasons. If that, <laughs> there is one other thing, one positive note that I want to shout out in terms of something that I watched, and that is last night's episode of Riverdale. God. Ladies and ge- ladies and gentlemen, we are here. How with was eight- I surprised? You told me before the podcast you were doing this, and I was still surprised. We are here with another edition of Ramblin' About Riverdale. Last night, the third episode of season five. Hot off the heels of the news that has been renewed for season six. What? This this is the big episode where finally they graduated high school. And of course, the, the gang... PJ Appa's 42 years old. Just graduated high school. And he sings that Green Day song for the, oh. for the graduation. Oh, no. Chris, are you eating gumballs? Oh, no, you're eating those brownie M&Ms. Yeah, you are. Delicious. So... There, there, there's these circumstances that I won't get into because I don't want to spoil it for you guys uh, that fractures the group and they all kind of go their separate ways. The episode ends with Archie going to join the army and, oh. then, and then slowly uh, Betty and Veronica and Jughead splinter off. Veronica goes to visit her mother in the Hamptons because her mother just got written off of the show to, in storyline to go be Real House Andy Cohen. And her mother in the Hamptons? Steve Ulrich also got written off of the show so he... Her mother in the Hamptons. Who is she? Erica Berry? Oh, no. That'd be a great crossover. So the group splinters off. Veronica goes to visit her mom in the Hamptons. But, uh, Veronica and Jug start to, to become distant because of something that had happened. And eventually she leaves to go to college and Jug is left all alone. But they agreed on their graduation night. They sat on the bleachers and everything and said, listen, one year from today... No matter what we're all doing, let's all meet at Pops. You know, the chocolate shop. Let's all meet at Pops. Fast forward a year. Jug is sitting in the booth and none of them show up. <gasps> and oh, Jesus Christ. And there's what then, happened to them? Something then, had to happen to them. There's then VO of Jug saying, no one showed up that night. I wouldn't see my friends again for another six years. And the circumstances that brought us together, he says, are like bad or like mysterious or whatever. Boom. Episode ends. Preview for next week. Starting next week, we are seven years in the future. Archie has gone to war. Jug is a published author. Betty is an FBI agent. 
and Ronnie what the fuck? and Ronnie is married. He's married. She, she Veronica, Veronica. Ronnie. Jesus oh, Ronnie. Christ. Of course. Sorry. So How dare you? Starting next week, Riverdale is seven years in the future. Guys, can you believe it? Honestly, I kind of feel like a dick for making that. He's like forty-two years old, Joe. Because at least they tried to age them up. So he, in the footage of him in a war, for some reason they're wearing World War II uniforms. It is Archie, and that does also. It makes sense, even though it doesn't. Also, when they're showing Betty being an FBI, is my favorite war. (laughs) When they're showing Betty being an FBI agent, they show her talking to a counselor who says you have experienced trauma. And there's a brief flash of what is very clearly them putting Betty in the Silence of the Lambs. There was Betty at the bottom of a pit with like a guy up top, like, <laughs> so uh, yes, Buffalo Bill. Noted so I guys fan of the Wicked Witch of the West. Can you guys believe that Riverdale, after doing cults and like and snuff videos and serial killers? and drugs, and gang warfare, and all of this has now finally, after five seasons, has now finally done a time jump. What kind of drugs were they doing? Jingle jangle. Crystal meth? Tar? Smack? Jingle jangle. Jingle jangle. So I've said it before, I've said it, I'll say it again. Riverdale is like Twin Peaks for intellectuals. (laughs) I hope everyone gets on board. So this concludes another segment of Ramblin' Riverdale. Is there any other business that we need to take care of? I don't think call so. Me, call me when they get to uh, Afterlife with Archie. Well, he's going to war, so who's, who knows? That might be soon. Oh, no! If you want to follow Frank on social media, you can follow him at Frankie Fierio, F-I-E-R-Y-O. If you want to follow Chris, you can follow him at Dr. underscore Perk, P-E-R-K. If you want to follow Feature Presentation, we are on Instagram. And most importantly, we are back on Twitter at FeetPresPod, F-E-A-T, P-R-E-S-P-O-D. This, I think, was my favorite episode yet. Next week, we've got a movie I'm a big fan of, Under the Silver Lake. Andrew Garfield will be here, so we hope you will be too. That makes it sound like Andrew Garfield is going to be a guest. Mm-hmm.